Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. So again, I would, I would look at, especially multifamily or all real estate for that matter, as a long-term investment. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Every once in a while, there comes a service that revolutionizes an industry. And I am proud to say that our best ever sponsor, Cozy, is that service for landlords and tenants. Cozy simplifies the rental process for everyone. Simply put, Cozy makes it easy to collect rent online, to screen tenants, to order credit reports, to do all the things that you are currently doing manually, but to automate it so that you can focus on more important things like growing your portfolio this year. The best part is that Cozy is completely free. It's free. There aren't any minimums, there aren't any transaction fees or monthly payments. No other service on the planet offers this to you for free. And one of the things that I love about Cozy is that Cozy automatically collects and transfers the rent so that every month you don't have to worry about forgetful tenants forgetting to pay you the rent. You can actually receive that rent automatically in your bank account, no questions asked. So you can say goodbye to paper checks, late payments, and all those lame excuses. And here's your chance to simplify your life and make more money. Join me and sign up for Cozy at Cozy.co. That's C-O-Z-Y dot C-O. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Gary Goodman. Hi, Gary. How are you? Doing well, and thank you for joining us. Gary is joining us from Irvine, California. He's the Senior VP of Acquisitions at Pasco Companies. He has over 30 years of industry experience and is responsible for acquiring properties with a combined value of over $4 billion. He sits on the board of directors for the National Multifamily Housing Council. And based on where he was born and raised, I'm going to venture a guess that you really like hockey and your favorite bands are Lady Peace. But you can correct me if I'm wrong (laughs) on those two things. You're close. I uh, definitely like hockey and uh, grew up playing hockey uh, in our neighborhood and the open rinks there because growing up in Canada, there wasn't much else to do in the winter besides that and skiing, which I love too. 
So, uh, yeah, that's where I grew up, and I'm, I'm a dual citizen and proud to be a Canadian. And, and what about your favorite band? It's not Our Lady Peace. That's going to totally disappoint me. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> I kind of like Bare Naked Ladies. Oh, they're good too. <laughs> well, based on your background, we're going to have such a wonderful conversation and, you know, with your experience in the multifamily and acquisition standpoint. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to hear about your background. Can you share a little bit about your background and where you're, where you're coming from with the best ever listeners and what you're focused on now? Sure. I started buying properties in the early 70s. And uh, for the most part, I would say 80% of what I've acquired since then have, have been multifamily properties. And I got an early experience uh, buying properties nationwide in various uh, cities throughout the country. And in those days, it was all about California investors moving their capital from California out to places like Texas and Oklahoma and in the so-called Sun Belt. So I, I acquired a, a you know multifamily for a variety of different sponsors over the years, including a, uh, a you know a number of individual investors as well as uh, pension funds over the years. So I've had a, a a real variety of experiences there in terms of. The, uh, the, the view that investors take on properties. Uh, the, the entrepreneurial private capital guys are a lot different than the uh, public employee pension funds. Why multifamily and why, why multifamily right now? Multifamily historically has performed the best of all four product types. They include office, industrial, retail. And that's measured by the uh, pension fund group called NACREF. And historically, if you look at the returns, they've always been the best. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, historically, you know, they they perform the best because at, at, in a recession, the reality is that people do need a place to live. In fact, very often people will move out of their single family residences that they may lose, as we saw in the Great Recession, and move into apartments. Right now, the, the interest in, in multifamily is be, partly because the huge demographics swing that is occurring in the country. We're seeing over 80 million millennials now entering the rental pool as these kids now graduate from, from college. Most of them have, or at least a good part of them, have high uh, student debt payments that they have to you know, uh, service. So they tend to be more interested in renting as opposed to buying because they don't have the down payment. They can't afford the uh, mortgage payments. So they tend to be renters. The other thing is that a lot of these uh, graduates are underemployed. They've taken jobs that they didn't think they would have to take because of the recession. And they're looking to eventually trade up. And they don't know for sure if they're going to have to move out of the area or stay where they are. So they like the flexibility of renting as opposed to being stuck owning a place. Um, the other thing is that their lifestyle right now is very oriented to an urban environment. They like the idea of um, being able to walk to restaurants and uh, clubs and so on. So they kind of like that experience. Most of them, of course, grew up in the suburbs, so they're trying to get away from that. That'll swing eventually back to the suburbs as they get older and and uh, marry and, and raise children. But, th but they're doing all of that much later now. So there's, again, more, I think, long-term more interest in renting than there will be 
in uh, owning uh, single-family homes. What markets are you noticing to be the best right now for multifamily? Well, the way I view the markets, frankly, is is basically on a risk-adjusted return basis. And my view is that the gateway cities, if you will, that's like New York and Boston and uh, uh, Chicago, Miami, are overpriced. Um, the returns there are so low that um, we feel that the better opportunities, frankly, are in the secondary cities located primarily throughout the southeast and the Midwest, primarily because of the, in the southeast, we're seeing cities that are attracting businesses that have a, uh, an interesting lifestyle, an attractive lifestyle. And we're seeing job growth grow uh, pretty dramatically in these cities. The other thing that is occurring also is the is uh, there is a real shortage of new product being built in these secondary markets. So we're able to to get very nice returns over the long run in uh, in investing in these kinds of markets. When you talk about gateway cities and secondary cities, how do you define each of those so that people know how to categorize them as a gateway city or a secondary city? Well, there, there isn't. I mean, it's it's a very loose kind of approach in terms of a definition. But historically, the gateway cities are the major, you know, the major met- metropolitan areas of the country. And, and as I mentioned, they're they're New York and Boston, Miami, L.A., San Francisco, maybe Seattle. And there's some others that have sort of, you know, become more on that list, maybe Houston. And that's sort of just conventional thinking in terms of the industry. Secondary cities would be cities that would have maybe a population of less than a million. And cities like uh, Raleigh-Durham, Greenville, South Carolina, Montgomery, Alabama, Birmingham, Columbia, South Carolina, those kinds of markets we consider secondary. Some people might even call them tertiary markets. But if you look carefully at the economies of those cities, they're doing very well. And uh, as I said before, they're attracting business, they're right-to-work states, and um, there's a lot of job growth in these areas. And, and the cost of living is, is pretty reasonable considering, uh, you know, compared to the gateway cities. When you're looking at a new acquisition and you are thinking through what's the criteria that this property needs to meet, what do you look for? Well, I'm oriented to the long term. I uh, historically over the years, uh, I've actually been burned a couple of times by considering the short term. And so we're looking at opportunities where we can get good, solid, you know, cash flow over the long term. We're buying newer properties that will hold up in terms of capital of expenditures over the long term. And, you know, my if my if my return, you know, basically gives me all my capital back and, uh, you know, seven or eight percent yield on my money over the long term. I'm, I'm happy with that investment. And when you say long term, roughly, what is how many years is that? We finance our properties uh, for 10 years. So we might consider selling a property in the seventh or eight years, eighth year of holding. The problem there is you have major prepayment penalties on de- long term debt. So it, it becomes difficult to sell much before that. Based on your experience in multifamily and sitting on the board of directors for National Multifamily Housing Council and you know, acquiring properties with combined value over $4 billion, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? 
My best advice is, is, as I've mentioned, to consider the long term. There's a lot of uncertainty with respect to the economy, and nobody saw the Great Recession, or very few people, I shouldn't say nobody, saw the Great Recession that occurred in, you know, 07 and 08. And I think a lot of people that acquired properties just prior to that with the idea that they were going to rehab them and sell them quickly at a, at a substantial profit got burned. In fact, many of those properties were foreclosed on. So again, I would, I would look at, especially multifamily or all real estate for that matter, as a long-term investment. You know, it's kind of like there's an old saw, if you will, about somebody who catches fish and he sells them or sells them to somebody else who then sells them to somebody else, who sells them to somebody else. And finally, that guy opens up the box and says, wait a minute, these fish are all rotten. Well, the guy that sold them to him said, well, those fish are for trading. They're not to eat. <laughs> so it's kind of like that. that's kind of a joke, but it, there's some truth to that. Yes. Long term is the way I look at real estate. As an investor who perhaps might not have the the wherewithal, the financial ability to close on a newer construction property that that you mentioned. What advice would you give him or her? Because I imagine to me, there's, there's, it's almost a catch 22, but you're going to help me with this because with how you describe long-term growth, what you look for, you want solid cash flow over long-term right now, you're looking at buying new properties that hold up over the term, meaning, you know, there, there's not as many capital expenditures with that initial acquisition, I imagine, but correct me if I'm wrong, that the cap rate on that is a bit lower than there would be with a value at opportunity. And therefore, you're paying more of a premium. But with a beginning investor or someone who has, say, a million or two or 500,000 total all in to invest, would they be able to do the same approach since the cap rates are so low on the new construction? Well, actually, the way the market is right now, cap rates on older properties that are a value-added candidate tend to be lower than newer properties. It's counterintuitive, but what's happened in the market is that the value-add story has become so popular and attractive to investment capital that it's over, it's somewhat oversold. Now, we, we do have a value-add platform, but it, I can tell you it's very, very difficult to acquire properties that will offer the risk-adjusted returns that I would look for in buying an older property. So, you know, if I were an investor with $500,000 or a million dollars, I would go with a a company that has the expertise to acquire and manage and sell that property. I would not try to do it on my own unless I was a guy that was 25 years old and was willing to spend all his time you know, managing and, and uh, rehabbing and doing all the things that you have to do to a property. I, I, would, I would invest with a sponsor to, uh, to have them do all that for you. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. First, a quick word from our sponsor. Best ever listeners, it's 2015. And wouldn't you like to simplify the landlording process and automate it as much as possible while making more money along the way? It's the landlord's dream, right? With online rent payments, applications, and secure credit reports. Cozy makes being a landlord incredibly easy. And best of all, it's completely free. Sign up for Cozy at Cozy.co. That's C-O-Z-Y dot C-O. Okay, Gary, best ever book. Well, I'm an avid reader and there's a lot of books that I I read, of course, and 
you know, there's a lot of books by Peter Drucker and there's books that I read that, that make me feel better about myself when I'm reading, you know, Alexander Solzhenitsyn about the Gulag Archipelago. But a, a book I read lately that I like a lot is, is a book called Blink by Gladwell. And the reason I, 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 take, I took to that book is I've experienced a, a number of situations where things have occurred to me that are described in the, in the book Blink. And that is where you suddenly come to a conclusion looking at something like almost instantaneously. It's the way I, I look at properties. I've thought about that because when I look at properties, when I go drive up to a property, my first impression is always the best. And I think it is that sort of quick read on something because what I've done in the past, and I, if I had the first impression that I didn't like the property and then I you know, revisited it and decided, well, maybe I could overcome this, overcome that. At the end of the day, I've regretted it. I've at the end of the day, I would reject the property because it really isn't what I wanted it to be. So I found that book kind of interesting because it sort of underscored the way I I see things. Completely agree. Love the book Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. One of the case studies that I remember from that book I found just completely fascinating is whenever they took a couple and they could predict within 95% accuracy if the couple was going to be divorced or not in the next five years based on, I think it was like a minute conversation that they had. And what they did is they wired up the individuals and they had for that minute, they could determine the different types of emotions that were happening within that minute of uh, what they would have is a, a point of disagreement. Um, so they would say, okay, what's the point of contention between you two? And it would be, you know, should we have a dog or not? And with that minute conversation, they could tell based on how they interacted with each other if they were going to get divorced or not. And one of the keys to that, I remember, was contempt. If they, if the couple had contempt in the relationship, then there was going to be a 90, with a ninety-five percent accuracy a divorce. Um, and I love the overall premise of that book, and I can see how that would apply based on you know your thirty years of experience because you've accumulated so much experience. How you can make quick, informed decisions within the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. And best ever listeners, I know you like audio, so you can go to freebesteverbook.com and get a free audio version of a book like that. Okay, Gary, best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it. Well, at the risk of sounding a little maudlin and sentimental, my inspiration, frankly, has over the years has been my wife. She's had some severe health issues. I won't detail that, but she has had this uncanny and, you know, uh, ability to to get through them and to be optimistic and to not let any of that get her down. And, you know, in, in, in a roller coaster world of real estate transactions, I have a lot of solace in, in going home and having my wife be there to, to, to get me through that because uh, she's been through some life-threatening health issues that most of us would give up on. But she's she's been a real inspiration to me. Well, first and foremost, thoughts are with your wife and your family and uh, wish wish uh, you all the best. And I think it's, it's incredible that she serves as inspiration for you. Best ever success habit you practice? I think for me, it's getting away from, from work and just clearing my mind. I'm a devout Episcopalian, and I rarely miss a Sunday church service. There's a rector at my church that is another another person that's very inspirational. And I just find that getting away from 
the day-to-day life and getting into an environment where, you know, you're thinking about someone else or something else, something bigger helps me a lot. And um, that's that's very important to me. I, I would miss that if I couldn't do that every Sunday. Best ever deal you've done. Well, it was probably the first deal that I ever bought, uh, and it was a thousand units in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That was the biggest property in the state of Oklahoma. And I met with the seller one day and didn't want to. He didn't want to sell it. I talked him into going to dinner, and I worked on him over. You know, the, through into the evening, I got him to sign a letter of intent for a thousand unit property in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, I guess once I did that, I was hooked on buying multifamily because that was just such a a great big deal and my first deal and it was fun negotiating. He was an interesting character and uh, I, I was hooked after that. What do you think the key was during that dinner? I think it was we got along, you know, and he trusted me and, and, you know, this business is all about people and you need to be able to get along with all types of people, which I guess goes back to my Canadian heritage. (laughs) We sort of are known to be like that. Yes. You know, there's a lot of people out there who have big egos. Uh, I'm always surprised even that real estate brokers can be so irascible and difficult, but, but it was really the uh, developing relationship with this fella and was my ability, I think, to be able to do it quickly so that we, uh, you know, because you're going to, through the transaction, you're going to be working together over a period of, you know, 30, 60 days. So you want to make sure you choose people that, you know, that's going to work for you. What's the best ever project you're excited about right now? Well, we're talking about launching all kinds of different programs here at Pasco where we could uh, open up the, um, the landscape in terms of what we could buy. Um, we're talking to, uh, we have family office investors that we will advise, hopefully, and other offshore investors, institutional investors that will open up our platform dramatically. And if that occurs, our business should multiply several fold over the next several years. So pretty excited about that. We've been kind of focused on our one source of equity and fundraising over the last, you know, 10 years or so. And we we like the idea of diversifying uh, beyond that. Best ever quote. The only thing constant is change. What's that mean to you? It means that you better think long-term because next year you could be in a completely different environment and uh, you may not like it. So you you have to invest to get over that time. What would you say is the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Thinking short-term. I bought a couple of properties right before the Great Recession. Uh, There were older properties that we were planning to rehab and we did rehab them. Problem is the market shifted, cap rates went up, rents went down, and now we own older properties that are constantly needing capital of expenditures. There's no cash flow from these properties. So we're so-called buried in them. So that that is a lesson. What's the best ever place to reach you? You can reach me on my cell phone almost 24 hours. <laughs> oh, careful what you ask for. <laughs> And do you want to give that number out? Sure. I'm at 714-305-8659. 
Gary, this has just been an incredibly informative conversation. I am so darn grateful that we were able to connect and, and you're a guest on the Best Ever Show. A couple takeaways I got, I mean, from how you analyze the properties. I mean, as you mentioned earlier with the book Blink, you've got the cumulative experience where you can you can determine if a deal is good in the blink of an eye just with that gut instinct whenever you drive by the property and obviously there's numbers that need to be crunched but you get that feeling based on what you've accumulated and what you look for the risk adjusted return basis identifying the markets how you identify a a deal or not if you want to pursue from a long-term growth standpoint where you know you look for returns over 10 years with getting your money back with a 7%, at least 7% yield, good solid cash flow and buying new properties that hold up over the that period of time. I think that's incredibly enlightening for investors who are beginning and who are in the middle of their investing careers because you know you've you've you're at the point where you've acquired so much and it's it's nice to get insight from someone like you who has that experience so thank you so much for being on the show and we'll talk to you soon thank you joey i've enjoyed it hey you best ever listener do you want more then go to joefairless.com where you'll get tons of free videos templates and content to help you get deals done And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever.